Hi, and welcome to Hyperfixations, the podcast where we invite various interesting people on to talk about their niche area of interest that they could just talk forever about. Here are your hosts. I'm Ali. And I'm Nigel. And today we have Sid. How are you? Hello. I'm good. Y'all. Um, I'm good. And what are you here to talk to us about today? Um, I'm going to ramble to you all about Adventure Time for an hour. Amazing. <laughs> I confess, I have to confess at the start of this, where it's like, I'd like to have seen Adventure Time, but I think one of the things that people need to know about me is that I've consumed a lot of media, but I've also just famously not seen anything. <laughs> Fair enough. Like, Adventure Time seems good. I'd like to have seen it, but I mm. have, well, no, so... I think this is like one notch in my favor. So in our um, episode we did with Sam on Pearl Jam, he said, you know, we were talking about like what it means to be a fan. And it's like, you know, how people have like that kind of gatekeeping based on when you got into stuff. And it's like, well, it doesn't really matter. But he's always proud that he saw the first episode of The Simpsons when it originally aired on TV in 1989. And I kind of have that. I watched the first episode of um, Adventure Time when it premiered on Character Network in whatever year that was. I saw the I saw the promos and I was like, oh, this looks good. Watch the first episode. And then I was like, I feel no inclination to watch any more of this. Well, <laughs> the problem with Adventure Time and with trying to get people into Adventure Time is that the early seasons are so different from the later seasons. Um... But I love them all. But yeah. Yeah, so I suppose the question we start off uh, most of our episodes with then is um, how did you get into Adventure Time? Like, why did you choose it? Um, Adventure Time? We don't ask all of our guests specifically Adventure Time. That would be very weird. That would um, be funny, though. That would be funny. Um, you Maybe know, we should do that. It on them. Yes. Note that down, Allie. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but... You know, why Adventure Time? What does it mean to you? So, I was six years old when Adventure Time started airing. And oh I don't... <laughs> um, and I don't know if I saw the very first episode because I was six and I don't remember it fully. But I did watch it pretty much from the beginning. Um, and I was hooked, like, right away. Like, I made my parents, like, watch it with me on Monday nights when it aired. And I was... I was very quickly obsessed. And, um, I don't know, something about it just clicked. I remember we had these, like, any days where it rained and we didn't have recess in that year, we, like, sat inside and colored, and I got this, like, big sheet of paper, which I found it now, and it wasn't that big, but at the time I thought it was huge. And <laughs> I spent every rainy day just drawing all the characters from Adventure Time and adding the new ones that would show up and all this stuff. And... As I grew up, the show kind of grew up as well, and it matured as I matured, and the main character of the show is, well, one of them is Finn, and he's like 12-ish, I think, when the series starts, and he's like 16, 17 when the series ends, which is kind of roughly where I was when the series ends, and so I think something about the show is very much just kind of my childhood, if that makes sense. There's something quite special about like a show or any piece of media where you feel like you grow up with. Like a lot of people have said that they felt that like with things like the Harry Potter books if they're around those yeah. ages when they came out, like things like that. Like 
I don't know, I just feel like you have such strong memories of it because you feel like the characters are... Maybe you're not going through all the same issues that they are, but like um, some similar like things. Yeah, it was exactly that. And that it's, I, I often refer to it now as my comfort show or my comfort media because like anytime things are going badly in my life or I'm overwhelmed, I can just put on normally specific episodes and things just feel a little better. Yeah, I, we've had a lot of different media brought up on the show so far. Like, I mean, well, our first episode was on, like, soft apocalypses as a genre and stuff. But we've done episodes, you know, on um, Marvel. We've done them on, you know, like, things we, things that people are passionate about, you know, which is kind of the hook of the show. But we've never really addressed what the concept of, like, comfort media means. <laughs> like, it's been brought up and kind of touched on, but we've never really gone... And like, well, what do you think comfort media is and what do you think the value is? I feel like that's maybe a hashtag deep question to get into, but... Yeah. But no, I think it makes... I don't... I can't speak for everyone. And I know a lot of people have a lot of things that they refer to as like comfort media or comfort streamers or whatever else. But for me, a lot of my artistic inspiration comes from the show, but also a lot of kind of... Okay, so like there's there's creatures and horrifying things that happen in the series and it also all takes place in like a post-nuclear war thing, which I'll get into later. But there is kind oh. of... <laughs> no one knows that about the show, but yeah, it's all fun. I, I didn't. Hold on, is that... I'm trying to remember now. Isn't that like alluded to right at the very start of like the opening credits, right? Isn't there like... Yes, and yeah. That's I never watched the show on IHS. Oh. No, no, no. I'm just trying to remember from when I watched it. Um, yeah, there is. There I'm is like, did I know this? Did, um, did I actually know this? Have I repressed this? Like, <laughs> I'll explain that in just one second. But what I was going to say is that kind of, despite all of the kind of threatening worlds that it could have been, a lot of the ethos of the show is kind of found family in some sense and also kind of like at the end of the day people are trying to be good to one another even if they're broken themselves and i think hmm. that's something that i always like in shows and probably i liked in shows because i loved adventure time um and i don't know i think part of the reason it's comfort media in my head is because it was childhood media um Mm. But yeah, no, it's a it's a post-apocalyptic world, <laughs> which is fun in its own way. I definitely like it's not it's not like similar, but hearing you talk about the um hearing you talk about like the image you have drawn, you know, where mm -hmm. you would add the characters from Adventure Time reminded me of a somewhat similar story from my past, which I think is hilarious every time I talk about it. So it was like when I was in junior or senior infant, so this would have been when I was five or six, 2005, 2006. That that will tell you how old I am. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, but we had to draw a picture of our family. And so around this time, okay, ugh, I shouldn't have led with that. But anyway, so I was <laughs> like, my aunt had given me this deck of playing cards, which is a promotional deck of cards to do with X-Men 2, X-Men United, which was had come out in cinemas. And I was like, these are cool. And I had heard of comics and stuff. And 
you draw they the said, as your family? I drew the I, yeah, they said draw your family. And I was like, okay. And I drew um Wolverine, Storm, <laughs> Professor X, the fucking Blackbird, which is the Japanese. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this media matters to me more than my own family. <laughs> your teacher's looking at that like what? I don't think my teacher questioned it. I brought home, I brought it home and showed it to my mother, and she was like, "What the fuck?" I I love how kind of I I've worked at a summer camp and so and I just do a lot of babysitting stuff like that, and I love how just unfiltered weird little kids are. Like they they do not care. They just oh, want to fully unhinged. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um. Yeah. I actually the the picture that I drew of all the Adventure Time characters which was like 12 years ago now, my God, um, is still in my mother's office. It's it's like ripped and old and all this stuff. But I'm now in school studying comics and animation and this like six-year-old drawing of these characters from a show I love is what my mother in her office to show my art off. <laughs> Amazing. I mean... That that must be your magnum opus in that case. Oh yeah, hmm. it's it's the greatest thing I'll ever make, obviously. Um, I think it's really nice that like, first of all, that it's still around, but also that like, you know, your mother is like, this is what, <laughs> like, this is what I am comfortable showing, you know? Yeah. This is what my child does. <laughs> Which, I mean, very proud. not wrong. I still just make weird fan art and I want to make cartoons, so. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, tell us a bit about Adventure Time, like, for those of yeah. you know. So we know it's set in a post-nuclear yeah. world. So, now. the basic premise is a boy and his dog go on adventures in the land of Ooh. Um, that's like the very one-sentence explanation of the show. That's the elevator pitch. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Finn and Jake are initially the two main characters and they are the main characters but as the series goes on it becomes more kind of an ensemble cast in some ways um and they're brothers one of them is a dog with magical powers that he can like stretch to any size and shape um and one of them is a human finn's the human and for a long period of the show he's the only human in the whole thing um and they live in a tree house and they have this like little video game console that's sentient named BMO. And they I go love on. BMO. BMO's great. And yeah, I love BMO. BMO um, is trans. In my yeah. I, BMO, BMO's got some gender. A lot of the characters in this show have some gender stuff and some sexuality stuff. And part of the reason I love it is queerness, which. Um, but yeah, so they go on adventures. Early on, the main antagonist is the Ice King, but by the end of the show, he's just like part of the family. Um, and he's this kind of like evil wizard type who lives in these like ice mountains and he has ice powers and like a crown, that's a whole thing. And he steals princesses because he wants to marry a princess. Finn and Jake rescue the princesses. That's basically the early seasons. Um, but just wash, are... rinse, repeat? What? Just wash, rinse, repeat? Like... Well, I mean... There's other stuff that happens. Eventually the Lich comes in, which is like... A larger antagonist throughout the whole show. 
Um, and we meet various other characters like Princess Bubblegum, who when I first started the show was my favorite character, um, and Marceline the Vampire Queen, and all these other different things. There's all these other kingdoms. There's the Candy Kingdom, the uh, Wild Berry Kingdom, Hot Dog Kingdom, and all the hot dogs are like dachshund, but also hot dogs. Um, slime Kingdom. And it's, they basically just kind of expand the world through the eyes of Finn and Jake. Um, and then things get more convoluted and complicated as the series progresses. You learn more about Ooh and what Ooh used to be, which was actually the Earth and like our world. Um, there's also all this reincarnation stuff and it just, it gets increasingly more complicated and convoluted, but also interconnected. Um, and there's like, oh, I'm so bad at numbers. So that's just something you should know about me. I never remember numbers of things, but there's like, I want to say 12-ish seasons. It was on from when I was from like, it ended in 2018. So, and then there's a bunch of little mini series that happened throughout it. And now there's a sort of spin-off thing called Distant Lands, which are like 40 minute specials centered around specific characters that is currently airing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just rambling, which is the point of the show, but I, I, I'm not used yeah. to being the person who talks. I'm used to being the person who gets other people to talk. Uh, well, I feel like a cop-out way of doing that would be like, what questions would you like us to ask? But no, we have to, we have to, um, there, there's a very strict binary here, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> oh, for shame. Binaries. Yeah. I um, hate the, trust me, I hate them as much as you do, but like someone needs to ask the questions. Yeah, no, it's um, okay. um, so like, I mean, I don't really know an awful lot about the characters. Like, I think what, I think all that I know is like, BMO is a talking video games console. In my head canon, BMO is trans. I don't know whether that's canon or not. Finn and Jake are best friends, and Jake has like really stretchy arms and a body or something. Um, and Marceline and Princess Bubblegum are lesbians. That's all I know, really. I mean, um, I most and of also the there's a lemon, there's a talking lemon who finds things unacceptable. Okay, okay, so let me should I just do a quick overview of some of the main characters? Does that sound reasonable? That... Yes, okay, I think that's reasonable. All right, Finn and Jake are the two main characters. They are brothers, despite being different species. The lore behind that is that- um, I, I'm explaining <laughs> it. Um, is that Jake's parents, Margaret and, oh, I'm blanking on his father's name right now, but it'll come to me later. Um, Joshua, Margaret and Joshua um, found Finn as a baby. He was like an infant and he was stuck to a leaf because he had pooped and it got stuck to him and he was crying and they took him home and raised him. Um, and they, <laughs> um, and they have two other kids. We actually didn't know that Finn and Jake had another brother until like way further in the series. And his name is Jermaine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's such a funny name. Sorry. Yeah. Jake technically isn't even biologically his mother's son. He's actually the offspring of his father and an alien. But that's a whole other story. Uh <laughs> oh my god, I hate this. Um, but yeah, so there's there and 
Jake, be the, I, the dogs age faster than the humans because there's the whole like dog years thing. So even though they're like the same age, Jake is much more mature. Be, and like, I've seen some descriptions where like Jake is 28 and Finn is 12 or 13 at the start, which doesn't really make sense. Everyone kind of does weird stuff with Jake's age. But yeah, they're brothers, they go on adventures, they're kind of almost knights in some way. They do a lot of stuff for the Candy Kingdom and other things, and rescue things and get treasure and go through dungeons. It's very kind of almost D&D-esque in some ways. Um, and Finn, a lot of what his plot lines are about, he's really the main character and Jake's kind of like the secondary protagonist, um, is one... Early on, he's like very, there's a lot of stuff with him in romance and him having feelings for Princess Bubblegum and then later Flame Princess. Um, but also, he's very much just kind of trying to figure out who he is and kind of being the only human in Ooh and what happened to the other humans and what is his role in this world and is he, is being the hero enough of a role. Um, the other main characters who Honestly, my two favorite characters in the show are Princess Bubblegum and Marceline. Marceline is a vampire, her, but she's also half demon and half human. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, this show is convoluted as hell. Um, but she kind of, she grew up in the, like... Okay, so at one point, Ooh was Earth, basically, and then nuclear war happened. Um, and everything kind of died and radiation caused a lot of weird things to happen and eventually Ooh came to be with all this magical and weird shit. Um, Marceline as like a five-year-old grew up basically in the wreckage of this like post-apocalyptic war. Um, Eventually, she was she was half demon, didn't know her father. Her mother died during that time, um, and eventually she meets Simon, who I'll talk about later. Um, and as she gets older, she starts killing vampires and then becomes a vampire. Now she's a rock star in Ooh and plays music, and also at the beginning is an antagonist and kicks Finn and Jake out of their house and takes over their house eventually just becomes another one of their friends. Um, and I really love her, and her whole thing is like, I'm a monster, but I don't know if that has to be a bad thing or a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, I connect to that character a lot. Um, and then Princess Bubblegum is the ruler of the Candy Kingdom. Um, she quite literally formed out of this like giant mass of gum. And she also has a brother named Nettie, who... I don't even know how to explain him, so we're just gonna skip over him. <laughs> oh dear. Um, he's basically a dragon made out of bubble gum. Um, and she, she rules the Candy Kingdom. She's kind of immortal, um, and she's very science-focused and kind of values science over people, but she also is very protective of her candy citizens, all of which she made. Um, Including Lemon Grab, and everyone knows Lemon Grab because he's the lemon dude who screams unacceptable. Oh, mm. yeah, I know him. Um, and... Yeah, a lot of her is her kind of trying to figure out how to be more than just a ruler and how to care about people and not just science and math and all that stuff. 
Um, there's Ice King. He at first is just kind of an evil wizard, but he's not that evil. He's kind of just sad and he really just wants someone to love him. And then later you find out that he was cursed by the crown that he wears and ma that made him go insane. It also gave him powers. And at one point he was a normal dude named Simon, who is a professor type and was engaged or married to a woman named Betty, who he called his princess which is now why he's obsessed with princesses. Um, and he's the one who basically raised little Marceline in the wreckage of the end of the world. Um, which I could talk about that relationship for hours because... <laughs> yeah. um, and then there's also other characters like Lumpy Space Princess, who's like... She's the purple one who's like, I don't know. She says, oh my glob a lot and is very kind of dramatic. And she's very much in the sense of like... The, you know, oh the princess, yeah, you know, the like <laughs> princess stereotype or like the like rich girl stereotype of like tries to strike out on her own, but doesn't really know what she's doing and just is kind of stuck up and like all that kind of stuff. She's that combined with like valley girl stereotype. Um, and then there's also Lady Rainicorn, who is a unicorn that's a rainbow colored and can change stuff magically the color of them she is jake's girlfriend and they have kids together they're not married but they do have kids together and she speaks in korean for some reason fair enough okay fair enough um bimo is the little robot um sometimes he also calls himself football and I love BMO, and there is a lot of like trans, non-binary stuff with BMO. Uh, there's the Lich, who's a main villain, and he doesn't really have a personality other than he's like evil incarnate. Uh, and yeah, I don't know. There's a bunch of more, but those are the main ones, really. Um, mm. So yeah, I think like based off of things you kind of touched on there, where it's like, I think Adventure Time is kind of the forerunner of, I guess, this new wave of shows which are marketed at not quite teens, but also not quite children. Yeah, you know, if you exactly. Know what I, mean. I think that, so one of the reasons I can never get people to watch early advent, I mean, Adventure Time in general, is because people always want to start with the early seasons, and those very much are seemed aimed at young, like, kids. But as it, as the series went on, it became more kind of pre-teen, teen almost, despite still being a, a kid's show. Um, yeah, and it's and like, it all, sorry, sorry. Oh, no, I, no so, sorry, go ahead. It's also kind of the forerunner a little bit to a lot of other shows like Steven Universe or even regular show and Gravity Falls and stuff like that, that it was on just a little bit before that, the other shows of that era um, of cartoons. And it ran pretty much throughout that whole era. And I feel like it kind of really informed and shaped a lot of things. Um, weirdly, a lot of the popular cartoons we think of, like modern cartoons, a lot of the either creators or people who worked on them all worked on a, on the Marvelous Misadventures of Flapjack and then like what together. A show. Flapjack! Yeah! And then went on and did their own things. And I'm pretty sure that includes the Adventure Time creator and the Overgarden Wall creator and, um, Steven Universe people. Um... Which I just think is bizarre, because I, as much as I love cartoons, Flapjack is one that I really have a hard time watching. 
it is an experience. It's um, it's a fever dream. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Complete. Um, yeah, I feel like flapjack and um, powder and other shows that came out at the time I that I really, oh that I God. really love. But I feel like there's a direct pipeline to um, chowder lover as a child, chowder, or flapjack lover as a child, and um, David Lynch and surrealism lover as an adult. Yeah, I can see that. I can definitely see that. They, mm. I, no show did it like them. No. Yeah, but it's like, as well, I think, what I think is really interesting about this branch of shows, it's like, it attempts to, I don't know, tackle stuff, regardless of whether they do it well or not, they're attempting mm. to tackle stuff in a way that, like, as children, you're like, okay, I'm learning something, so it's didactic, but also as yeah. adults, you can watch it and you can go, huh, because, like, um when you look at most stuff that's marketed towards children, it's so inane and brainless because it needs to be as marketable as possible. Well, like films, tell me, tell me there is any, any message at all in a Minions film and I will give you a dollar. <laughs> um, I, I think there is messages in Despicable Me, but not in Minions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Despic that's why Despicable I didn't me. Despicable Me. I think that's uh, part of the reason I loved Adventure Time so much is that it was willing to do weird shit and serious shit in a way mm. that other cartoons wouldn't always mm. um, or other kids media wouldn't always um, like yeah. and I mean like from the like like, death is something that's incredibly prevalent in the show. And, like, reincarnation is talked about a lot. And we learn that, like, Finn has past lives and things. But, like, there's also a lot of kind of, like... Like, family dynamics are weird and messed up. And, like, <clears throat> Finn meets his biological father. And his father is basically an asshole and doesn't care about him. But then we also... Everyone is morally gray in the show. No one's... With the lich exception, because that's a whole other thing. For the most part, no one is 100% good or 100% bad. Um, even Princess Bubblegum, who is, for the most part, like seen as a like a good character and the princess you root for or whatever, she spies on all of the citizens of Ooh with a legal surveillance material and has a lot of questionable things, including... Um, she, the first three candy people she made, they they tried to overthrow her, and she gave them a thing that basically made them dumb and clueless. <laughs> and just never told anyone that they were used to be people. Yikes. Like, um, I am so random. I can't believe I just did that. Oh, I'm such a Capri Sun. Oh. <laughs> but yeah or it's like that or you know things like um have you have you heard of either star versus the forces of evil yeah, or summer star. camp island i haven't seen summer camp I island yet, but it's on my list but star i definitely have watched a lot of i all yeah because like um, the later seasons of star it's like everything you know, the first seasons are right? yeah like, the first seasons are so wacky where it's like you know what if we had a spell that just covered everywhere with macaroni? Wouldn't that be wacky? And then, like, the third season is, like, 
you know, discrimination again between magic and non-magic users and teams yeah. of historical revisionism. And it's like, whoa, that was a complete 90 degree turn. Exactly. Um, whoa. And I, and I think Adventure Time does a similar thing. Early on, it's a lot of kind of like silly adventures of like Finn is trying to get the Enchiridion, which is like this like hero's manual. But oh, then how to kiss princesses, yeah. Yep, yep, that's where that's from. Um, I actually next to me have I'm gonna turn on my I know that this is a podcast, but I'm turning on my video for one second. Um, I have the official Enchiridion book that I got oh my God. by a person. I love it. Um, also ignore the mess of my room. Um, and, um, but later on, it's like, we have to go into the mind of a character whose mind is like fundamentally broken and try to figure out if we can find this old memory to get the answer or whatever. And we have to deal with all this mental health stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cause in your character breakdowns and stuff, you were like, for both Finn and Marceline, you're like, well, you know, my role is the hero or is a monster. And is that is that all that I am? Am I a man? Am I a Muppet? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a lot of identity stuff. Oh, also, hmm. one character I forgot. There's a character, Ern, who is a grass version of Finn. And his whole thing is, I don't want to just be Finn. I want to be my own person. Hmm. Um, which... I love him. Anyway. Um, I have yeah. a question which may yeah. sound familiar to you based off okay. of the back of this. And you may hate me for it, Sydney. But um, what do you think monsters are? What do monsters mean to you? You've been listening to my show, haven't you? Yes. <laughs> what do I think monsters are? Well, I could write an entire essay collection on that. I'm actually currently in the midst of writing a column about that for my school paper. I definitely um, knew this, 100%. Yeah, um, I don't know is the, is the big answer, but I think everyone has their own ways and that they define a monster. And as a queer disabled person, I am obsessed with what makes a monster because most of the time monstrous things come from either like social or cultural fears mm. you know, and this idea of being an outsider. And Adventure Time is literally a world filled with like all these crazy creatures. There's like, I don't know, um, literal demons. There's a giant floating wolf head that's kind of a god, but also not, oh, not really. Um, there's a cosmic owl, there's a wall oh, of- Oh no, flesh. not more cosmic animals, no. <laughs> I just, I, I only recently edited Mary-Kate's episode on warrior cats and she oh. told us about the cosmic <laughs> badger, which speaks all languages, and I'm, no. Um, Sorry, and then, continue. But there's, there's literally a wall of flesh that's horrifying to look at. Um, there's- a whole society on Mars that is used to be run by Abraham Lincoln. There's all these things that you could see as monsters. And yet, the characters that are grappling with their identities are the ones that, in a lot of ways, are human or more human. Like, Finn 
Finn is the only human we know about, and then later we learn that Marceline is half human. And both of those characters oh. are the ones that we follow who are questioning kind of their roles and their identities. And they, at times, see themselves as monsters. And yet they're the humans. So, I don't know what makes a monster, but I will always end up loving monsters. If that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. I, th I think Adventure Time, from what I know of it, which is very vague, attempts to answer that question. And I feel like fantasy media is better to answer this question, like is better equipped than most other media. And like, I think it's almost it like a, a trite observation at this stage, because, you know, you've got stuff like The Witcher, um, you know, where the main character, first of all, is a mutant. And you've got, speaking of mutants, like the X-Men, who are yeah. allegories for our prejudices as a society and how we view mm. people. Speaking um, of mutants, um, there is actually a whole mutant subplot early on in Adventure Time about Finn thinks he's found another human, and then he learns that they're actually kind of these mutated human fish things. Um, and it's this whole moment of him thinking he had finally found people like him, and then he didn't. Oh. Yeah. I, I really enjoy character plots where they're like, I need to find someone like me. You know, and they're like, well, are you, you know, probably you're the only person in the world like that, which I think it's like, it's not as depressing as it may seem. Like, I mean, Tigger did this. There was a whole I was film where say, I was, I was like, I have a great film for you. <laughs> yes. I love that film. Um, I love the Such soundtrack to it. Um, but yeah, like it's not nearly as isolating as it may seem because then the narrative, if the person telling the narrative is any good, they were like, well, you don't need to find people who are like you because people who are entirely different to you accept you for who you are, even though there is no analog for who you are. Yeah. And I think Adventure Time does a good job with that. Eventually, Finn does meet other humans, but it's not the humans he's connected with. It's his other found family in the form of a magical dog with powers, a sentient candy person, a vampire, like all these other characters are really his family, even once he finds other humans. Um, and I think part of the reason the show means so much to me is i mean i'm queer and disabled and they have both of those things as main characters finn early on in the show like loses his arm and has a prosthetic arm for a lot of the show um and various different uh like adaptive devices um and i mean if anyone knows anything about adventure time like even vaguely they know that marceline and bubblegum are lesbians but yeah, that's yeah, in all the marketing that. now. <laughs> um, but that was a like a really hard fought battle for the show to do because what that comes from is there's an episode, I want to say it's from season two or three, but it might have been a different one, called where um some creature steals all of their like one belonging that each of them cares about and locks himself behind a door that's opened by singing. Um, and harmonies, and in that episode, we get Marceline's song, I'm Just Your Problem, that she sings to Bubblegum. It's all about how Bubblegum just sees her as an issue. Um, and then the episode ends with 
us finding out that the shirt we had thought was Marceline's is actually a shirt Marceline gave to Bubblegum, and Bubblegum wears it every night as pajamas. So that's the origin point, the first time they really interact with each other. And everyone, there was a whole lot of like shipping and debates about shipping and whether it's anything or whatever. And then over the course of the show, we get all these kind of little involving of their relationship and them becoming friends again and knowing each other. And we get to hear about their past a little bit, but none of it is explicitly romantic because it was, you know, the mid 2012s or whatever. And yeah, this was an era of cartoons where this is part of the kind of source text for having queer women in cartoons that you legend of Korra did it. And then adventure time did it. And then we get Steven universe. But the very last episode of the whole show, and I had actually kind of stopped watching it a little bit, um, and this is why I went back and watched the last few seasons, it, um, we finally, we get, there's a whole fight, a whole war, it doesn't matter right now, but um, there's a moment where Marceline <laughs> thinks Bubblegum is dead, and she rushes over her and sees that Bubblegum's okay, just injured, and they kind of like, like, laugh and hug and kind of spin around and then they kiss and that's the last episode of the show um and then we in the little end montage we get to see them kind of cuddled up together on a couch and they're being very sweet and it's it was such like i literally cried when i watched this i mean partly because of that and partly because of the end of the show um Mm. That we finally got them back together and we finally got them as explicitly romantic couple. And then Distant Lands, which came out last year, there's a whole episode exploring their relationship. And we get to explicitly have each of them calling each other their girlfriends and um, kissing and saying they love each other. And Marceline sings a song to Bubblegum about how she's always felt like a monster, but and she was afraid of that. But being with Bubblegum doesn't make her fear being a monster because she loved that, that she knows she's capable of love and that their relationship is important to her. Um, and yeah, I just, their relationship means a lot to me. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I was going with this. Um, yeah, it's definitely, it's so affirming, especially for young people and especially for queer people to see rap. And it's like, uh, like, I think as well, disabled rep, but it's it's very, very dicey how people do disabled rep because either yeah. it's very, very good or it's, like, completely awful. Well, yeah, the worst thing you've yeah. ever seen in your life. Yeah. And it's like, why are, you know, why are you casting this actor who is not disabled to play a disabled role, things like that, or, you know, like, really offensive mm. portrayals? And, and like... like I hate oh, characters, sorry, I just, I hate when characters are disabled and then in a magical se- setting and then there's just magic that just like fixes it. Like it's one thing if magic is using uh. depth, like an, uh, like an assistive device or something like, like Finn gets this magical grass thing that sometimes can form an arm for him, but it's not, it doesn't just magically fix his issues. Like he still has, is a person who experiences different things because of disabilities. And like Avatar does an amazing job with Toph that like Oh ben Toph is blind, correct? I've yeah, never seen Toph, Avatar. You should watch it at some point. Um, Toph is blind and she uses um a form of earth bending to be able to not fully see, but be able to kind of be know what's around her. Um yeah. 
and uh, kind of get around. But there's moments where she's not stand like um, they're like on a ship or they're flying like when they're in specific places where there isn't like dirt and ground and whatever where they like they acknowledge that she can't see. She like holds on to Sokka and he makes sure that she's <coughs> not walking into anything she shouldn't. And like there's a whole thing where um they find like some poster and they're like like can you believe what this says and she's like she just gives them like the most sh like shit eating expression of like you realize i can't read that um <laughs> like i'm blind yeah. yeah may i offer just a horrible example like counter example to how obviously they've treated finn in, you know yeah somewhat well like i haven't seen it but from what from what you said it's a quite good piece of disabled rep with the prosthetic. I, I enjoy it. I, yeah, it doesn't yeah. wash away his problems. Yeah, there is some, like, critique probably with it, but I, I've always enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, so there is this book, this fantasy book called Kings of the Wild, W-Y-L-D, by Nicholas Eames. Okay. And I had heard really good things about it. It's basically framed, it's about this band of warriors who... They're old, they've passed their prime, and they need to go back into it. And they're called the band, and the entire thing of the story is framed of like, well, what if we looked at, like, you know, what if a fantasy world was styled in the same way as bands were, like actual music bands, and the whole, like, okay. getting, That's you know. Fun. It sounds fun. It sounds like a really, really good premise, you know, like getting the band back Until together. Until it wasn't. Yeah. That concept gets extremely overtired within the first 50 pages but anyway the main character whose name i cannot remember <laughs> is this warrior i think his name is like clay maybe um i'm sorry sorry if i'm babbling but i think this is no, like good. i really fucking hated this and now when i hear about finn and how they work that in you know it makes me even more angry his whole thing is like he's a warrior he's like so so vicious mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm ruthless in you know in his killing you know he's like an absolute monster for for want of a better word um when, yeah. when he gets like bloodthirsty and he settled down with a wife and they have a daughter now whose name is i think rose or whatever and the whole thing is like he feels part of a pull towards being a warrior still and she's like well no you know you're past your prime you know and like do you really want to spend your whole life out killing people you know that's not a good life to lead and about three quarters of the way through the story i was like oh this is really cool in terms of a narrative perspective he gets one of his hands cut off <laughs> and it's like you know it fits well it fits really well into the themes of the stuff where it's like he's torn between a life of fighting and the life with the family he loves and now yeah. the thing which would allow him to fight you know he's suddenly bereft of and I'm not saying that sure. it's well executed or whatever, but I'm like, okay, this could go an interesting way. Yeah. And then literally, like, two chapters later, they, oh my god, they give him a new hand, and everything goes back to normal, and they literally just say, it's literally, they say, oh, by the way, he has a new hand now, because someone magicked him a new hand. And I'm um, like, what the fuck? What the ever-loving fuck? It pisses me off when stuff like that happens, because, like, there's so many more interesting things you could do. Mm. They did it but with the like... Oracle, Oracle from DC Comics. Yes, and oh storyline. I, I um, her... her is my Discord profile pic right now. 
Oh, nice. Oh, my God. But, like, when, um, when in one comic book storyline, I don't know what it was, but, like, um, Jim Gordon, like, Barbara Oracle's um, dad dies. And then, like, it gives her the inspiration to, like, overcome her, like, disability. She's paralyzed. She's paralyzed the waist down because the sh- Joker yeah. shot her. Like... Oh my god, like, that's not that's not how disability works. That's not how any of this works. I so think, it's a good thing that Adventure Time is yeah. doing a good job. And I think that, I mean, there's obviously critiques of it because, I mean, every media should have critiques, I think. But oh, yeah. sure. um, I, I've always liked how they handled Finn and there isn't tons of other, like, obviously physically disabled people in the show, but there is a lot of discussion of mental health, like a lot of it. Um, mm. And one of the characters, Princess, but there's a scene, I want to say it's towards, it's not the end of the show, but it's towards the end, where after we learn about Princess Bubblegum's brother, who's like this dragon creature that is clearly coded in a way that like, he's like mentally has like some sort of kind of not able to fully understand everything around him or that he's... I don't know. I, it's this whole thing and that he's very much kind of not as obviously human as his sister um, and has and doesn't have full kind of like mental capacities in the same way that she does. And she's never horrible and never says anything terrible about him or anything like that. And she as she finally introduces him to other people, she has this whole thing of people get built different. We don't need to question it. We just need to know that like that's okay. And like I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact quote, but that's a quote that like I've seen on so many Adventure Time people talking about of kind of like, yes, exactly. People get built different and that's just part of the world. Have you seen Luca, Sid? I haven't yet. Everyone's told me to. (laughs) Oh, no, there's a really good instance of this. This is not a spoiler at all, Um, but it's like there's a character who's kind of like the big stoic dad. He's a fisher. He's, you know, a, a monster hunter. Um, Mm -hmm. he's, Mm -hmm. you know, the only parent to a single child, um, Massimo, and he has, like, you know, he's absolutely massive and hairy and muscular, um, but he's missing an arm, and once they they go out on the boat, and, um, I can't remember whether it's Luca or the other guy whose name is escaping me at the minute, they say, you know, what happened to your arm? And he said, oh, a sea monster bit it off, and they go, oh because they're secretly sea monsters. And he goes, no, I'm just kidding. I was born without it. And it's like, there's no nothing else raised, which is like, yeah, it's really I, refreshing to see. Because I like- I like, uh, like gifts of that. And I, I, I adored that they did that. And it's like part of the reason that I'm like, all right, I'll watch this. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Like gay Italian coming of age drama, but it's also yeah. like, I, I know someone who was born without an arm and it's like you know really refreshing to see that being portrayed in fiction because it's like these people exist funnily enough yeah and i i also think about kind of um like how to train your dragon i always felt like did a nice job of acknowledging both toothless and hiccups disabilities as the series went on um hiccup loses a leg am i he remembering correctly he loses a leg in the first movie uh, or like his like ank from his ankle down i think mm. um and um and toothless has a, a wing that's fucked up um that 
uh, Hiccup makes like a, a basically an assistive device to be able to allow Toothless to fly again. Um, mm. um, but yeah, and I mean, yeah, so I think part of Adventure Time that I adore is all of the identity stuff. Um, and I think one more thing that makes me look back on the show so fondly is the way they ended the whole thing is basically a message to the viewer. Um, so there's a lot of music in the show. A lot of it's written by Rebecca Sugar, who makes Steven Universe. Um, and the last, mm. well, the last kind of new song of the show there, they do the end credit song at the very end, but like the last full song of the show is literally called Time Adventure instead of Adventure Time. And the oh. chorus of it is something along the lines of um, like will happen, happening, happen, but you and I will always be back then. And it's this kind of message, both that the characters are literally singing and existing in the world, but to the viewer of this show is is happening, happened, and will happen, but this it will always exist in this moment and that you can always come back to this moment. Um, mm. Which, you know, just made me cry because I had been watching it for 12 yeah. years. <laughs> um, and then, so now they're doing these distant lands things, which are these little kind of spin-off 40-minute things about certain characters. The first one was all about Bimo, and we basically got Bimo's backstory. Um, and the third one is um, title. they all have little subtitles, so it's Distant Lands Together Again, and it's about Finn and Jake, and we get to see... Um, so we knew... Because of some other things, we knew that Jake dies before Finn. Um, and we in this, we get to see Finn dies and they reunite in the death world. And it's all this stuff. And they get to see each other again. And um, the ending of that episode, which I guess is a spoiler, is them deciding to go another round and be, re uh, be reincarnated again. Because they love it. They want to be in the world together again um and it's oh. just such a sweet kind of almost message to the viewer and yeah. i don't know um but yeah i love this show there's so much more i could talk about i didn't even bring up the fact that jake has like five kids who are all great um do you uh, want to talk about them well i can uh one of them is voiced by the actor jake's five kids yeah um, they all have names. One of them is voiced by... One of them is voiced by the voice actor who does Mabel in Gravity Falls and Louise oh. and Bob Spark. Oh. Um, she plays Jake Jr. in this. Um, but yeah, they, they're half Rainicorn, half dog. And the, uh, like, and dogs and Rainicorns used to be in, like, whole war with each other. So there's a whole episode where Jake has to meet Lady Rainicorn's parents. Um, but that's not important. Um... <laughs> uh, and, but the kids are all great, but they also age really fast, so they don't stay babies for very long. And so they're, like, kind of grown yeah. up by the end of the first episode they're introduced. Um, but they also stay alive <laughs> for a long time. And we, in the very last episode of the show, we get to, we, we basically kind of flash forward into the future, the opening title sequence. 
instead of the normal one is kind of a new one with the same like new imagery but it's a world that's like way further and there's a, two new adventurers who people theorize is the reincarnation of finn and jake um but the rainicorns have basically the like half dog half rainicorns have basically like taken over the world which implies that like jake's kids have like created basically a whole new species that is like rapidly and he's awesome <laughs> um yeah and one of i it's, it's insane um i i love that i love all the weird lore implications of the world um there's also oh so earlier we talked about night jewel said something along the lines of um wasn't that wasn't there like a hint to the end of the world thing in the title sequence from the beginning yeah, isn't it like it's like a whistle and then there's an there, explosion? Yeah, and then there's like, like a whistle and an explosion sound, but also as it's like the, the camera kind of goes through all these things until we get to Finn and Jake, some of the things you see are like nuclear bombs in the corner and it's like a split second. Um, and there's little hints like that. And I've always heard two stories about the inception of Adventure Time and I don't know which one is true. I suspect it's somewhere in the middle. Um, one story is that they had no idea what the bigger world lore was, and they were just kind of figuring out shit as they went, which makes sense in some sense, but it doesn't add up for those bombs or a specific episode that happens in season one where they find a bunch of frozen businessmen. Um, and then the other is that well, they that. knew- <laughs> You know, as you do when you just find a bunch of frozen businessmen. Yeah, that's just the way it is. Um, and then the other is that they knew from the beginning that this was an post-apocalyptic world and they had fully planned out the whole thing and they knew about the elemental lore and the all this other stuff. But I think it's gotta be somewhere in the middle. I think they knew it was post-apocalyptic, but they hadn't figured out the full story yet because certain things don't add up either way. Um, but yeah. Um, and sometimes we do get flashbacks to what the world was like prior to the bombs. There's also a whole alternate universe within the canon where the bombs didn't get off and it's called go off and it's called farm world and that's his whole own thing <laughs> there's a lot of lore to this show and i'm sorry that i'm just <laughs> babbling incessantly it is just a very lore heavy show yeah um but i love it and I don't know. It just, it means a lot to me. There's also comic book spinoffs. There's the Enchiridion's thing that has its own story going on in it. There's, I'm pretty sure video games, but I'm not totally, like, don't quote me on that one. And there is an official, <laughs> like, card game, Pokemon-esque, Yu-Gi-Oh-esque card game. Fucking really? Yeah. Um, in the show, at one point, Jake gets really into this game called Card Wars, and we get to see them play it. And then because it's Cartoon Network and they like to make money, they made Card Wars into a real game and I forced all my friends to play it in middle school with me. Reminds me, of, um, reminds me of when I was in school and there was a game with the Club Penguin card jitsu cards. Mm, and, yep. and you could and you could play them like in play them with your friends because uh like and you could like play for cards like and swap them and things like I went to an all-girls school and I wasn't majorly into sports at the time, so there wasn't really like match attacks like or anything like that, but that was our match attack. That's cool. 
Yeah, I there was a bunch of kids who played Yu-Gi-Oh during recess, and then I was like, I don't want to do that. I want to play the Adventure Time card game, so you guys have to play with me. <laughs> You're dead right. <laughs> um, play with me or else. Yeah, exactly. You're going to play the game. Um, I've also cosplayed as at least three of the characters from it before. Oh, so. which ones? Um, Marceline, Bubblegum, and then... Oh my god, I forgot about this entire thing. There is a whole <laughs> separate gender-bent world. Um, and one of them is Fiona the human, and I've cosplayed as, I cosplayed as her when I was very small. Yeah, there's a gender-bent world that originally started as in-world fanfiction that Ice King wrote, but we later learned was actually kind of a, like some sort of TV show long before the bombs. That it's a whole thing. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and there's the, there's but there is a gender bent equivalent for almost every character in the show in that world, and they all have pretty dumb names. <laughs> so, so wait, hold on. If Finn is Fiona, what is Jake? I, Jake I, I dread becomes, to ask. Jake becomes Cake the cat. What? <laughs> no. Um. Wait, and wait, wait. This is breaking Kate, my brain. As in, I Kate, don't like as in as in K-A-T-E. No, as in K-A-C-E. No, C-A-K-E. I'm sorry. I'm Yeah, that, yeah, I was I I was like, I was a cake. Yeah, no, we're gonna read one cake. Yeah, um, and her power set's slightly different. She doesn't have stretchy power, she has something else, and I can't remember at the moment. Um Marceline becomes Marshall Lee, and a lot of people really oversexualize Marshall Lee because they think he's like a hot bad boy. Um Oof. Uh, Princess Bubblegum, whose real name, by the way, I didn't mention is Bonnabelle. Oh. Anyway. Um, all the princesses have an actual name that doesn't get used much. Flame Princesses, Phoebe, I think. Um, but anyway, uh, gender-bent Bubblegum is Gumball, I think, which is confusing because it's also The Amazing World of Gumball, which is a completely different show that I also like. Crossover um, when? <laughs> yeah. Um, the Ice King it's, just becomes the Ice King. This is Fiona and Cake. I've just googled them. Yeah, yeah. There, see. there is a lot of questions to the origins of these two, because there is the fanfiction that Ice King writes about Fiona and Cake. There's also a lady who claims to be the real Fiona, who we later learn isn't. And then there is a videotape that is like an old TV show about Fiona and Cake. So, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think oh my god, I've just looked up, sorry, I've just looked up Marshall Lee, oh my god. Did you see all the, like, ridiculous fan art of him? Because my god. Yes. He's yeah. like, oh, what's the guy from Star versus the Force of Eve versus oh, the Force yeah, of Eve? Oh yeah, he's totally like a, like a precursor to Tom Lucifer from Star. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, that's Marshall Lee. Um, stupid name, but I, okay, the thing that does, like, I, okay, cartoon fandoms are always a nightmare, but the thing that makes me the angriest about Adventure Time fandom is anyone who will just gender bent one of either Marceline or Bubblegum and not the other so that they can ship them in a straight way. Oh, you, no, disgusting. I'm, I'm like, no, they're an inherently queer relationship. Fuck off. Character, oh, car no, you're right though, when cartoon fandoms are 
Awful. No, it's a nightmare. Oh, side note. Um, while their main relationship is with each other, and it's a lot of people call them lesbians, Marceline canonly has had a boyfriend before, and I think Bubblegum has too. So I think they're both bi, but no one remembers that. I just choose not to perceive that. Yeah. <laughs> um, good for them. Yeah, good for them. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of weird layers to it. Um, to the show, and I, I adore it, and I know way too much about it. Um, well, you're on, you're on the right podcast for that. Yeah, and yeah. I, and now I'm gonna try to be either an animator or a comic book writer. Um, mm. And I think some of that is because of this show. So it's influ- it's definitely influenced you then. Oh, a huge amount. I mean, I still kind of draw characters in certain ways because of the the door adoration I have for the art style of Adventure Time. Um, and I also think that the way it tells stories is really cool. Um, I don't know. I love the show. There's an, there is one episode that um, has no bearing on the rest of the plot whatsoever. And there's also no dialogue in it. And it's all about this little like fire dog who becomes friends with this man who's made of snow and they have to figure out how to like continue to be friends without killing each other. And I watch that episode constantly. Oh my God, that sounds adorable. It's it's really yeah. and in And in the background of that episode, you see this whole other plot going on with Ice King and Finn and Jake, but like, it doesn't matter. That's not what the episode is about. Hmm, I think I really like that. I'm reminded of, and this is completely different, but it's like there's an episode of Welcome to Night Vale. One mm, of their my more... my beloved. Sorry. Yeah. Are you up to date on Welcome to Night Vale? No, not at all. I'm on season five or six. I, uh, I'm trying to catch up. I am up to date on Night Vale, and it's one of the things, one of the few things in life I'm actually proud of. But there's this episode in, which is fairly recent comparatively, like in the scale of Night Vale, because considering they've been going for nearly a decade, it's fairly recent comparatively, mm-hmm. um, called UFO sightings, where the whole thing is like, you know, Cecil is reporting on, um, you know, UFO sightings that have been seen around town. And it's, you know, the whole thing seems like it's just this, you know, oh, aliens are doing weird stuff around town. But then it's like when you actually listen to it and like focus on what's being said, there's a character who is doing stuff in the like the focus is not the UFOs. The story is about someone who is preparing one of their relatives for death. You know, they've died in a hospital and it's like, you know, a meditation on grief. I think it's one of their best episodes, both recently and overall, for the fact that it's like this is a thing that just goes through the background and you also have like. You know, Cecil is talking about aliens and um, UFOs. I, yeah, I always think it's really cool when stories are able to kind of layer things in that way. Um, yeah, or even gimmick episodes. Yeah. Where like, yeah, that too. Mr. Robot has an episode um, where they're like, at the start, someone says like, don't talk. And it's a heist and the entire episode is completely silent from then on. Mm-hmm. Up until because, like at the end, someone goes, "We need to talk," and that's when the sound kicks back in. Oh, that's so good! There's a couple episodes Please. of BoJack Horseman that do some really interesting stuff with that. There's one where it's all underwater and there's no real dialogue except for the very beginning, the very end, and then there's one where the whole episode is a monologue. Um, 
and they kind of are like the opposites of each other. Huh. God, I really need to actually finish watching BoJack Horseman. <laughs> BoJack is another show that I could probably talk about for hours. Um, I feel like I graduated from Adventure Time and then fell into BoJack Horseman. Tune in for part two. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and just, I, I, we should probably wrap up soon because I don't want to have to make you guys edit a very long episode because... Oh, no, it's fine. Um, um, it's all good. But one other thing that I think is really interesting about Adventure Time is that the amount of influence it has had on other shows, whether that be how queerness is handled in it, because without Adventure Time, I don't think we would get the same, like, women loving women representation in cartoons that we do right now. Mm. Um, because, like, Steven Universe comes from Rebecca Sugar, and Rebecca Sugar worked on Adventure Time. Um, yeah. But also, even in terms of I've been interviewing a lot of podcast creators um, because those are the people who are most inclined to come onto my show. Um, and by the way, I don't know if I'm allowed to do this, but shout out the Everdeen podcast. Everyone should listen to it. Uh, mm. <laughs> featuring uh, an episode featuring previous guest of the show, uh, William A. Wellman. Yes. And I'm actually, I'm actually going to bring up uh, William right now. Um, when hi, I, William. Hi. Hey. Uh, when I interviewed them, one of the things that they talked about was um, some of the, like, one of the things that I always ask is influences on the things you create. And William brought up both Over the Garden Wall and Adventure Time as influence on the Hollowoods, which I'm obsessed with Hollowoods. And going back and listening to it, thinking about it through the lens of Adventure Time and also Over the Garden Wall, it makes so much sense. Um... And I just think it's really cool the way in which this show that I've adored uh, my whole life has influenced so many other things that I now enjoy as well. That was mm. a cool circle moment. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. One of, the, one of the things I wanted to ask briefly, because you had mentioned it like kind of before, and I wanted to ask going into it anyway, where it's like, you mentioned the fans of the show, and it's like, I know Steven Universe has had a particularly toxic relationship between the show and the fan community, and I don't know what the case is with Adventure Time, because, like, I'm not, as this has been established, not yeah. very not very deep in the Adventure Time community, but it's like, you know, first of all, what is it like? And then second of all, why do you think shows like this, in, like, inspire such rabid toxic cultures around them like obviously there's yeah you know obviously there's good people within the fandoms because mm -hmm. you know you cannot have a fandom without inherently just good and benign people so um, I will, yeah i i will say this of all of the fandoms i've been in despite adventure time being my core like media it's one that I tend to just kind of watch the fandom unfold instead of actively engage in. I was a huge supernatural person at one point in my life. And so like I've, I've interacted in a lot of weird fandoms, but um, yeah. Adventure Time, I, I'm, I've always been more of a spectator, which I don't know why, it just kind of happened that way. And it is a lot less horrid than the Steven Universe fandom. Steven Universe fandom is like frothing at the mouth constantly. Um. But Adventure Time, uh, it definitely has its own issues within the fandom, and I. But I do also think it's a better community than some of the other cartoon fandoms, and part of that is 
a lot of the people who initially loved it have grown up um, and are kind of adults looking back on it. And I think, I think any fandom that it's like, oh, this is kind of like a first fandom for people gets toxic faster because people are still kind of learning how to be a part of fandom. Um, yeah. I'm looking at Steven Universe and Sandersides, um, but <laughs> um, Adventure Time, I don't know, There's there, there's been some weirdness, like the whole um, Marceline gender bending so that it's straight with bubblegum, and um, a lot of people having a lot of debates about certain characters. Um, I feel like every fandom has a couple characters that are super divisive. Um, but one of the things that one of the things I've I've found recently because because the show for the most part is over and so I feel like fandoms change when the when the media ends even if there's other things like there's the little spinoff things and there's uh, comics but the main thing is done right so like people don't have new shit to constantly be getting upset or excited about in the same way that makes sense yeah of course. Um, and so the people who are still around in the fandom are the ones who either grew up with it or have come to love it and like care enough to still be a part of it. Um, there is one really funny thing that's happened recently on Tumblr. Um, somebody made an OC named Nico the Catboy um, and <laughs> has this whole AU where it's like older Finn and he has, they're either married or they're like boyfriends or whatever and they have kids and stuff. and. There and because that's gotten really popular on Tumblr, there are people who think that Nico's like an actual canon character. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Amazing. The person who made Nico is just like, no, this is just a funny you for me. <laughs> They're gonna watch the show and be like, where is he? Yeah. Um, but I also think that the in terms of the interaction with the like cast and creators and all of that, it's always been at least from what I've seen, I could be completely, like, there could be stuff I don't know about, but just from my perspective, has always seemed nice in a lot of ways that, like, I don't know, I met Olivia Olsen, who voices um, Marceline and who wrote the Enchiridion Marcy Super Secret Scrapbook book at a event for That's it. That's so cool. Um, right. And... It was like it's like a, a book signing thing, um, and I was like twelve. But like she was so like she was so into the character, like she cared so much about Marceline, and was so willing to talk to fans about her experience of the show and and the character and how much she like wrote this whole book about Marceline because she wanted to keep exploring that character more than just voice acting her, and I think a lot of the cast is that way that they care about kind of the voice actor who plays finn literally grew up as finn grew up like oh um part of the reason they aged up finn instead of just keeping you know the like cartoon thing where they stay the same age forever um, oh yeah like how old is maggie simpson the same yeah. age as when she exactly. debuted in 1989. Exactly, but part of the reason we didn't do that is because the voice actor who played Finn was growing up and his voice was audibly changing. Um, yeah. And so I think there's something about these characters that people, the people who made them and the people who have like watched the show connect with so deeply. Um, and then also one other interesting thing is that the creator of Adventure Time has now made The Midnight Gospel, which is a very different show, 
And yet, oh, I saw the first episode of that on Netflix. Yeah. It's so weird. So weird, and yet so much of the completely batshit aura of that show has the same kind of batshit insanity of Adventure Time, but doing a very different yeah. thing. And again, I think it's this kind of, this show has ended and people are growing up and exploring new things, but the show is still a part of them. Um, oh, also one more thing on fan stuff, because I just remember this. Early on, like I want to say like early, early seasons, there was a fan-made character, clearly made by like some small child, sent in, <laughs> and they turned that character into a canon character on the show. Um, and like made a whole thing about how like, this was sent, like they were like, a fan character is in the show, and it was like clearly like a kid's drawing. Um, yeah. So Me Mouth is a is a canon character made by an Adventure Time fan. Yeah. So nice. So yeah, that's that's all. That's what I have. That's what I that's what I have to say about the fandom. I enjoy it. Um, I still see people cosplaying as the characters at cons. Um, some of the first stuff I ever bought at con was Marceline and Bubblegum posters. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to know what the um, one of the first things I bought? at a comic convention was? Sure. It was a sword. <laughs> that track was amazing. I, I uh, also got a My Little Pony plushie the same year, so I'm... I'm... <laughs> it was a good year. Yeah, yeah. it was. Um, I was very young. I mean, I've, I've been in fandom stuff since I was small. Like, probably way too soon to be. Um... Oh, early, early on to the fandom, the amount of fetishization of Bubblegum and Marceline, like, before they were even canonly a thing, was weird. There was Oof. a lot more kind of creepiness towards lesbians, but I was too young to really remember much of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Overall, I think it's been a pretty good experience. Um, been a good time. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's most of what I have to say, I think. Um, but yeah, I if if people ever want like an easy way to get into Adventure Time without having to slog through the early seasons and then be confused on the later seasons, there are three mini series that happen during the show. Um, and um, the best one is titled Stakes, um, but like S T A K E S and it's all about Marceline and vampires and Finn and Jake are there and Bubblegum's there and it's pretty contained within itself but it does a lot of really interesting stuff and all kind of centers around monstrosity and growing up um, which centers the sh kind of that's the show <laughs> monstrosity and growing up that's, that's the show <laughs> honestly it sounds like my kind of thing yeah um but yeah. Also, anyone who likes Night Vale would probably like Adventure Time. They 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 have some similar vibes. Like they're very different, but there's some vibes. Similar, there's similar always ideas. Vibes. Love vibes. Always like. Sure. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's that's the show. That's that's what I've got. Um. Oh, there is also a bunch of penguins named Gunther and an E up. Uh, a butler whose name is Peppermint Butler because he's made of peppermint and he does a lot of deals with demons and sketchy shit. Um, there's also an evil snail that looks incredibly friendly and is very small. I'm alright. I like it. I'm alright. 
Yeah. Um, I feel like that's a good place to wrap it up, unless you have anything mm -hmm. else. Uh, I'm thinking, is there anything else important about this show? Um, sorry that a Discord noise just went off. <laughs> Hold on, let me. No I worries. Muted, I muted my main server for an hour, and it's clearly been an hour since I did that. Um, <laughs> it came back. Uh, but yeah, I think that's mostly it. Um, there's also a lot of really good music in the show, so if you're someone who just wants good music to listen to, most songs from it are great. Um... And yeah, I mean, <laughs> thanks. Thanks for that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's a good show. And I think if you ever just want something easy to kind of, I mean, it's got a lot of lore, but you can just kind of turn it on and enjoy what it is for what it is. Hmm. I enjoy shows like that, I think, where it's like, yes, there is lore, but you do not need to do 20 hours of research to understand what the fuck is mm. going on. Yeah, like, you don't have to do homework. Like, yeah, yeah, those should have their place. Exactly. But it's like not what I want to watch all the time. It's kind of like, you I know how with Night Vale, you can kind of turn on almost any episode, and even if you don't get all the lore, there's still something to have to list. Like, it's still worth listening to. Yeah, because you've got like season long plots and stuff, which are, they're not really doing anymore, but then they'll do an episode which will like connect to the overall plot, and it's like you'll just remember the stuff you need to know where you go, Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that, you know, like the but if, you, but if you haven't seen that part, like it's not the end of the world. Um, no, because yeah. like I feel like that's the way it's set up that it's so wacky and episodic as well that it's like, you know, here's just a f another fun adventure. Yeah, and a lot of adventure time is sure. that that the episodes are pretty self-contained. Um it's not the kind of I it's not the kind of cartoon that like resets at the end of the episode like everything goes back to normal. Like the characters grow and change yeah. and evolves, but it is the kind of uh, show where with a few exceptions because there's a couple like multi-parters or whatever, you can kind of watch any point and it still works. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Everyone should watch Adventure Time at least once. <laughs> um I think I, I think I will after this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, interestingly, it was initially pitched to Nickelodeon and the initial pilot, like not the first episode, but the pilot, I think was on a Nickelodeon thing at one point. And then Nickelodeon basically oh. turned it down and then Cartoon Network took it. Um, so that's some lore. That's some like, like actual world lore, not in show lore. <laughs> that's two shows that I know now that were initially meant for Nickelodeon, but ended up going to Cartoon Network. What's the other one? Ed and Nitty. Oh, yeah! Yeah. Danny Antonucci went to Nickelodeon with him, and they kind of tried to control it a bit too much, so he was like, no, fuck that. Like, I went to Cartoon Network. Yeah. And I'm glad he did, because it's a very good show. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. That's all I've got. I um, thank you for letting me ramble about, like, one of my favorite things for, like, Almost an hour and a half, I think. Um, <laughs> no problem. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we're here for. Um, where can we find you? Anything you want to blow? Um, yes, sure. Hi. Um, Hello. I, I'm on, like, me, myself, I'm pretty much on any social media as Birdie Baby Bird. Um, but my actual, like, projects are, I run Iridium, which is a artist collective geared towards Gen Z and queer artists. And we have a podcast called the Iridium Podcast. 
uh, which you can find on Spotify and most podcast places. Um, I'm working on getting it on YouTube and iTunes right now. Um, and in that show, we interview artists, writers, podcasters, musicians, all those sort of things about the art they create and the art they consume. Um, and it's, yeah, then there should be a new episode coming soon. So please put it in my ears. I will. And <laughs> I would love to have either either or both of you as guests sometime if you were up for it. Absolutely. That would be awesome. I've never, I've never, I've never been a guest on a podcast before. Well, I've never been a guest on a podcast before either, and I'm here. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and sometime, yeah. definitely. Yes, yes. And I do I... work with mine too. Hmm? Um, you can Sorry. find me mainly on Twitter at Spicy Nigel, where um, I have been tweeting about um, Midnight Mass. I've been dunking on far-right Americans appropriating Celtic culture, you know, just the usual stuff, <laughs> being gay, um, mm. you know, just the usual. Just, just uh, the usual yeah. Uh Where can we find you, Ali? You can find me on Twitter at AliCat underscore Ali spelled like Aliway, cat spelled with a K, where uh, I just tweet utter shite. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at Ali, A-L-L-Y underscore K underscore Keegan. Uh, you can find the podcast at HyperFixationsP on Twitter. Or at HyperFixationsPod on Instagram. Rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts, be that Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or written in lipstick on a mirror, wherever. If you would like to come on to the show to discuss one of your hyperfixations, please feel free to reach out at any of the aforementioned social media. And that is all. Sid, thank you. It was an absolute pleasure to have you on. Uh, Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Signing off.